So last week we started a brand new series called Signs of Life. Um, I want to make sure that, uh, I won't spend a lot of time recapping it because it's been one week, but I want to make sure you understand the premise of this whole series, Signs of Life. These are evidences, proofs in our lives, okay, as believers. So these are not things, make sure you hear this, these are not things that you do to get saved. I'm going to say that again because we all live in the Bible Belt, right? I mean, like this is religious country. This is church going folk, right? So um, I was raised in church, and I would have, if you had hooked me up to like a lie detector machine and asked me, do you have to do these things to be saved? I would have said no, and it would have been going off like crazy because I think in my heart I really thought I had to earn my way to heaven, okay? So these signs that we're talking about over the next six, seven weeks, these are not things you do to get saved. These are things that are in your life because you're saved, okay? Like breathing, right? It's just something you do because you're alive. It's a sign of life. When somebody stops breathing, it's a sign that they're not alive. So these are things that we do because we're saved. And last week we talked about, if you remember, we talked about love, agape love more specifically. Not loving, you know, like, chicken or a certain sports team, but God's love. Agape is God's kind of love that he gives to us when we're saved, and it fills us and then it pours out of us to the people around us, right? Um, It sets us apart from other people because have you noticed on Facebook and Twitter and any other social media feed that people don't really like each other? Have you noticed this? It's crazy how polarizing we are. And that's the best that this world can offer. But when we have the love of God in us, agape love, we start to love him, and then we begin to love each other in such a way that people that can't get along would look at the church and say, how are you getting along? And then we would be able to say, oh, well, I mean, honestly, we didn't like each other before, but now, like, we have this love from God for each other, and it's really caused our relationship to grow. And you're right. Apart from the love of God, we would never like each other. I mean, we would, but this, as an illustration, we would never like each other apart from the love of God. And the world goes, wow, I might, I might need some of that, that love. That's a sign, right? That's a sign of life. Now, week two, sign number two. Make sure you understand this premise, right, that we're talking about people who are alive in Christ. The Bible says this is, if you have love one for another, this is proof that you have passed from death to life. So these are signs of life. So if we're alive in Christ, we know we got that agape love flowing, right? So what's the second sign? This is something that happens for people who are following Jesus. And I've got a video to show you just kind of tease us a little bit about what it might be. Go ahead. All right, so the second sign is that we hear God. I, I love John eight forty seven. This is Jesus talking. You can't see it here because it's not in red letters, but it is Jesus. It says, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. Now, in preparing for the message, I must have watched, I felt like thousands of, of those types of videos of people getting cochlear implants And the thing that they all have in common is you can't fake not hearing and then hearing. Like you were watching the video, you could tell the minute they turned it on. She's just, her face changes. She can, like suddenly I'm hearing, she's 29 years old, that's the first time she ever heard her own voice. And you can't fake that. That's a sign of life. It's a sign that something has happened. And so when Jesus says, look, before you belonged to God, you couldn't hear him. But now that you belong to God, 
you're going to be able to hear his voice. We as the church should have that type of a reaction. The world should look at us and say, dude, something changed. Like you were not hearing something, and now, holy cow, you're hearing something. It's a sign of life. Now, what is it like to hear the voice of God? My guess is if we took a poll, not many, if any, in this room have ever audibly heard the voice of God. I'm not going to discount that that does happen. Some people do hear the audible voice of God. I would just submit that it's rare. Maybe 5% of the time you might experience that. Um, I was thinking about this between services. Um, I remember when, when Will and Parker, you know, they just graduated, so I'm having all these memories, right? I remember when they first got into, like, their toddler beds. And Will is, um, man, I love this kid. He's, he can take anything and turn it into a game, right? He can take, like, if he, if he finds a piece of string, that string becomes, like, the, the one thing that's going to save the world from the bad people coming from another universe. Like, he's, he just, he can, anything becomes, like, he's fixed with it. It's just playing all the time. And we would, you can imagine with somebody like that, bedtime prayers, a little tough, right? Because, you know, you're trying to pray to the God of the universe, and he's like, she's shooting stuff with invisible ray guns and things that he found on the floor. And so I, I got frustrated one time. I was like, Look, this is it. We're not, we're not doing this anymore. You're having way too much fun in your bed. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to kneel beside the bed, right? So I told him, come on down, son. And he's like, you know, like, I'm three years old or something. He's kneeling beside his bed. I'm kneeling next to him. It's a toddler bed, so I'm like a giant. And we're getting ready to start praying. And he looked at me. He said, Dad, let's pray in the bed. It's like, no, we're not praying in the bed. We're going to pray right here. He said, no, no, Dad, God said we should pray in the bed. He's three, right? Like, uh, listen, I'm the pastor here. I'm going to tell you right now, God did not say, he did not say pray in the bed. And Will went, Dad, no, listen, pray in the bed. <laughs> right, like, I don't think that was the audible voice of God, Right? So I don't, I don't, I'm going to guess not many of us have heard the audible voice of God. I will submit that most people that are Christians sometimes ignore the way that God typically speaks because they're holding out for God to do something that he hardly would ever do. Like, well, if you'll speak to me, if you'll write it in the sky, then I'll do it. And we ignore what I would submit is the 95% of the times that he speaks to us, and that's in the Bible. Your big idea today is this. We hear God's voice. By loving God's word. We hear God's voice by loving God's word. So if we don't love the word, it's going to be hard to hear his voice. And hearing his voice is critical if we're going to live for God. So it's also something that most of us struggle with, okay? Now again, back to signs of life. If you're not following Jesus, if you've never given your heart to Christ, you cannot hear God. We read that earlier, John 8, 47, right? You don't hear him because you don't belong to him. But if you belong to Jesus, then you can hear God. And I believe you usually hear him through the word. But if we're being honest and practical, a lot of us struggle with that. Like, how exactly do I hear God in the Word? So uh, I want to break this into two parts, reasons we don't hear God's voice and ways we can start hearing His voice in the Bible. Okay, so let's do the first part. Reasons we may not hear God, there's probably a ton of them, but I just did three. 
Here they all start with they all start with D. So if you're taking notes, it'll be easier to remember. Okay. Here's number one: distance. Distance. Now, a couple disclaimers. How many of you have been serving God long enough to know that there are times in the journey that you don't feel particularly close to God? Anybody willing enough? Okay, so I want to make sure that we all know when you go through those times, that does not mean you need to get saved again. There are times we just don't feel close to God. But when I'm talking about distance here, as a reason that we don't hear God, I'm thinking more specifically the distance spiritually when we're not, we're not following God, we're not, we're not saved. When we have such a distance between us and God because it's caused by our sin, which is all of us if we don't accept what Jesus did at the cross, right? There's distance between us and God. And if we're far from him, then we're not going to hear him. If you're not near God, you can't hear God. The good news is this, that Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again, in order to close that gap, right? He wanted us to be near him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13 says that Christ preached to those who were far off in order to bring them near. A little bitty um, trivia in case you didn't know it. That's the verse that got our name. That's why we keep talking about being near God and near man. We want to gather near him because he came to gather those who were far off and bring them near. That's what the gospel is. And so if we're still far off, if there's still distance between us and God, it's because we've never accepted what Jesus did at the cross. We've never given our hearts to him. We've never chosen to follow Jesus. And that distance makes it very hard to hear. The fix for that is simply accepting what Jesus did at the cross. It's accepting the fact that he has made it possible for you to be close to God and not fear him. And that way you'll be able to hear him. Here's the second reason that we sometimes don't hear God, that nobody in the room can relate to. I know, distractions, right? We did, a couple weeks back, we did a whole Sunday morning message on distractions. I got super creative, and I had all these people, like, pre-planted to call cell phone numbers as I started the message because I knew that the cell phones would be a distraction. And guess what? They were for me. Like, I'm the one that put it together, and I started hearing all these phones going off. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? I can't. And I'm the one that told them to do it. Distractions are real. Distractions are real. Um, how many, golly, I, I run, so I can't tell you how many times early in the morning, like, distracted drivers while you're running. A little terrifying, right? Distracted drivers while you're driving is a little terrifying. How many fender benders take place because we're distracted? Distractions are real. And if we have a life full of stuff, if we have a life full of just noise, it's hard to really hear God's voice. If that's what your life sounds like, it can really wash out the voice of God when he's trying to speak to you. Distractions. We don't hear him because of distance. We don't hear him because of distractions. And here's the last reason, maybe the most common reason among Believers, unfortunately, is denial. We just don't want to hear him. We don't want to hear what God's saying because we don't really want to hear what he has to say. You know, when Bridget kicked the service off this morning and said, you know, that she felt like God was telling her last night, now you hear me when you want to listen. And when we, when we deny God the ability to speak into our lives, we're not going to hear him. 
I don't know if you're a Princess Bride fan. Um, I happen to love the movie. Um, I did a horrible job of recreating this scene in the first service. I'll try to do a better job now. I feel like you're a better crowd, so I'll probably pull this off better. But there's this one scene where Billy Crystal is trying to resurrect the main character who apparently is dead, but not really, because there's a difference between being dead and almost dead. If you've seen the movie, you understand this. And so he gets him to, he puts some air in his lungs, he pushes on his lungs, and he gets him to say one last word. The last word he said was, true love. But Billy Crystal said it was to blame, which means that he owed some dude some money. Basically, Billy Crystal's just trying to get out of helping these people because he doesn't want to face something he's afraid of. And his wife, wives are so good for this, comes running out and goes, liar, liar. He said true love. And just all you know, old people fighting, whatever. It's really awesome. But what I remember about that scene is Billy Crystal just starts running around in circles going, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm not listening. And that's denial. That's what we do with God. Like God has something to say and we don't want to hear it. And so we just close our ears. We tell him, I'm not listening to you. I was on staff at a church and there was this lady who was really struggling in her life. She was absolutely in sin. And she went to the pastor to get some counseling, which is always fun. Like, I'm having this trouble in my life and I really want it to stop and what can I do? And you start figuring out, like, asking questions and he just found out, like, she was just living a life of blatant sin against God. I don't know what you would do in that situation if you're the pastor, but he pointed that out to her. Like, read her some verses in the Bible and in a nice way was like, like here's what God's Word says. And, and this is what you're doing, but this is what his Word said. And here's what she said. I'm, I think I'm actually quoting her exactly. I don't care what God's Word says. Like, when you're in that place, that's denial. When you're saying to God, please lead me, guide me, give me direction, say something to me, but you're living a life contrary to what he's already told you to do, that's denial. And when you live in that place, you're not going to hear God's voice. So if I had to sum this part up, here's what I would tell you. If you cannot hear God's voice, like you don't hear him speaking audibly, which is like most people, and you read the Bible and there's just you're getting nothing out of it at all. If that's where you are, you need to examine your faith. I have to tell you that as your pastor, you need to examine your faith and see if you're even following Jesus. Because John 8:47 is clear. Those who belong to God hear his voice. If you belong to him, you're going to hear his voice. He's going to speak to you through the word. And if you're not hearing anything, you need to examine your faith. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul said this, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And John 8, 47 is clear that if we are in the faith, we will hear him. Which brings us to this next, this next section which will deal with a really common problem. Don't raise your hands. But if you're following Jesus, you know you're following Jesus. Like not because you're a good person, but because you know you've put all of your faith and all of your trust in what he did on the cross. I don't mind telling you this at all. I can go out tomorrow and have the worst Monday ever. And I would put my head on the pillow tomorrow night and know that I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I have no doubt about where I'm going to spend eternity. Because I know what Jesus did on the cross for me, and I've put all of my faith in that. 
And if that's where you are and you're still struggling to hear God, and sometimes that happens. Remember I asked you earlier if you ever struggle to hear him, then you don't need to examine your faith because you know that you're in the faith. What you need to do is examine your frequencies. Now let me just give you, give you four steps, okay, to examine your frequency. Things that will help you. If, you. if we do these four things, this will help us to hear his voice. Here's number one, purpose. Purpose in your heart that God is speaking. Maybe you're like I used to be. Um, when I would ask God, my prayer would be, God, just, just talk to me. Just tell me something. Just give me, just give me a word. And then I realized God's always speaking. He's always talking to us. He doesn't play hide and seek. He wants to make his will clear. And my prayer changed. It became, God, help me to hear you. Help me to do what I need to do. And the first step is to purpose in your heart that he is actually speaking. Hebrews 11.6 says that those that come to God in faith must believe that he exists. And I would say that he can be found and he can be heard. And when we purpose in our hearts to hear him, we value the word, listen, even when things aren't good. Job chapter 23, you heard of Job? Job had a rough life, right? I mean, he lost everything. All of a sudden, you have a bad day, you're like, I'm Job. No, you're not. Like, Job lost everything. He had, he had a, rough, a rough patch in his life. And here's, in Job 23, here's kind of how he's summing some of that up. He says this to his friends. Even today, my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. That's God's. If only I knew where to find him, God. If only I could go to his dwelling. I'd state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say to me. Would he vigorously oppose me? No, he would not press charges against me. There the upright can establish their innocence before him, and there I could be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, he's not there. If I go to the west, I don't find him. When he's at work in the north, I don't see him. When he turns to the south, I can't catch a glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I'm going to come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. Now, here's the verse that matters the most to us, verse 12. What I just read to you was, I don't know if, how your prayer times are, but I've prayed stuff like that. Seriously, God, where are you? Are you kidding me? Like, I'm looking everywhere for you, and I can't find you. And on, a, on his worst day, here's what Job says. But I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. Can I just tell you something that might be hard to hear? If what Job said about treasuring the word of God isn't something that you're saying even on your best day, then you have not purposed in your heart that God is speaking. Job said that at the end of the worst day. Like when he should have been saying, God is not doing anything for me and I'm out. He leaned in even harder and said, but I know him. I, I trust him. I treasure his words more than the food I'm even eating. He purposed in his heart that God was going to speak even in a bad place. Here's the second thing you got to do. You got to prepare. God speaks best to the hearts that are prepared to listen. Let me just talk about how important preparation is. Can you imagine what the service would have been like today if nobody had prepared? You would have walked in, no greeters smiling at you, nobody getting the door for you. You would have had to open your own door. 
You would have walked into a room with no chairs, and you would have looked at each other like, huh. Maybe you, maybe you stay, so you sit down on the floor expecting that something's going to happen that's different, and you're waiting on the band to walk up and do worship, but they're not, they're not prepared. They didn't get anything ready. They've got nothing. So you're sitting on the floor staring at nothing, no lights, no coffee, no coffee. Are you kidding me? No coffee. And you're like, but at least Paul's going to say something because he's a preacher, and that's what preachers do. He's at least going to do something. And I don't get up because I've got nothing prepared. Preparation puts us in a position to hear God. You've got to prepare your heart to hear him speak. And when you prepare your heart, then you do the third thing, which is to position yourself to hear him. Psalm 46.10, which is a really tough verse, says to be still and know that I'm God. And being still is dangerous. God starts speaking. A lot of people come to these, like, come to Jesus moments late at night when they're laying in the bed and can't sleep because you start to think and you start to hear and he begins to say stuff. Be still and know that I'm God. We position ourselves. I mean, where can you put yourself? What places can you put yourself in to hear God? I would suggest a few. Worship. Prayer, you're in a position today to hear from God because you're in a church service. Community, let's get even more practical. If you're a morning person, you should position yourself in the morning to hear from God. If you're not a morning person, you should position yourself in front of the Keurig, right? And then after that, later in the day, position yourself in front of God, right? Because you ain't going to hear nothing in the morning because you're not a morning person. If you're a beach person, anybody a beach person? Man, put me on a beach, some sand on my toes, watching the waves, the sky. I'm telling you, I can hear God there. I also like the mountains and pretty much anywhere else that I go. But I love the beach. Some of you are like, I don't, if I go to the beach, um, I'm not going to hear God, and he's going to hear me cuss because that sand gets everywhere and you can't get rid of it, right? Give me the mountains. Man, wherever it is, find a place. Position yourself in a place where you can hear from God. Be still. It's amazing. Um, so what are you doing to hear from God? Well, like I've, I've got my earbuds in, and I'm also binging on Netflix at the exact same time. And I'm feeling my, I've got all this stuff I'm looking at. I've ADHD everywhere. Like you're so distracted, you can't, that's not a position to hear from God. Position yourself. To hear him. And here's the last one practice. Wouldn't it be great if all of us were born and knew how to talk to each other? Wouldn't that be awesome? Married people in the house are like, Amen, brother. Man, if we just knew how to talk to each other. Ask any married couple that's been married longer than a day, right? Like, give me some advice. How can I make my marriage work? And they will say, Communication, communication. Communication. Like what you say isn't even what you meant, and it's definitely not what they heard, and it can just get crazy. Amen. And forget about marriage, right? Forget about marriage. Like I'll just say as a leader, 
As a leader, you do not know how many times I have had conversations with people, and I'll go home, and Wendy's like, how'd it go? And I'll go, it was great. It was awesome, man. Like, I mean, fantastic. We we connected. Like, they heard my heart. I heard their heart. It was great. And, like, I hear the next week they want to kill me. What? Like, I'm like, how did you get that? I mean, it's just communication is hard. And then when we get saved and we want to hear from God, we think that somehow that should be easy because we're a Christian. I'm just letting you know. I'm setting you at ease. you got to practice communicating even with God. It takes time. And here's what I've learned about myself and most people that are breathing. Everyone wants to be an expert on novice time. I just want to put a few minutes into it and just master it. And it just doesn't happen that way. It takes time to learn how to hear God. It takes time purposing your heart, preparing your heart, positioning yourself, and then practicing all those things. It just takes time, day in and day out. But I promise you, you'll get better at hearing his voice when you do that. It takes time, day in and day out, um, opening up the Bible and hungering for him to speak to you. More than just, give me the verse of the day, you version. Sweet, check that off my list. I mean, but actually giving God time to speak to you. It takes discipline and practice. But as you do that, the supernatural becomes natural. Now, we've got to land this puppy so we can go eat. So practically, what does it look like when believers hear God's voice by loving his word? What does that look like? All my years of youth pastoring, I can't tell you how many times kids would say, Pastor Paul, like, what is God's will for my life? I just don't know what he, I, want, I don't know what he wants me to do. I don't, he's not saying anything to me. He's giving me no direction. And I would always say the same thing. I'd say, how are your quiet times? And they'd say, my what? You know, quiet time. Like, quiet time. What's that? Well, it's when you turn everything off. Maybe play a little bit of worship music, and you hang out with Jesus and the Bible. Oh, I, 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 don't, I don't do that. Then you're not going to know the will of God because that's where he communicates. But when you do that, when you listen and, and you hear his voice, guess what happens? You instantly, naturally begin to follow. I've got one quick video I want you to watch. I'll read a couple of verses, and then we'll bring this thing to a close. John chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That is what it looks like when believers hear God's voice. And follow. So you want to know his will. You want to know what he's saying. I'm going to simply tell you this. I challenge you to fall in love with the word of God. And some seasons will be better than others. But fall in love with the word of God. Crave it. Get up in the morning and say like today God. I need you to give me a verse. I need to highlight it. I need to know it and memorize it. And when you hear his voice, I love that. Like the sheep don't think about it. They just go to the shepherd, and then they go where he leads. 
And what I want to see in our city more than anything else is I want to see a city to see a church that when God says go, we go. We don't think. We don't hesitate. We just respond. Because when we hear his voice, we follow him because we know it. And we know his voice. And so I, I want to pray over you this morning. Um, first, I want you to close your eyes. I want to give you some privacy just as you kind of think through some of these questions. Um, let's take care of the repentance side first. Repentance gets a bad rap. Everybody thinks it's a terrible thing. It's a great thing because it just restores the relationship we have with our Father. Um, let's, let's talk first of all to the believers in the house. And this is we've been talking. You're, you're just more and more convicted about I'm not loving the Word like I used to love the Word. I'm not, I'm not loving it because of it, I'm not really hearing his voice. Those, those three Ds that we talked about, that's my life. You know, I'm, I'm denying that he even, I don't even want to hear what he has to say. I'm, I'm Billy Crystal. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm distracted. Or, or even as a believer, I've put distance between myself and God. And this morning I'm convicted. I just want to repent and ask God to cleanse that out of my life. I just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Thank you so much just for being honest. I appreciate that. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Just that simple act of repentance is huge before the Lord. Another group that may, may, may need to make a decision this morning, and it does not matter how long you've been in church, how many sermons you've heard, but you might fall into that first category of people who, man, I, I really feel, I thought I was saved, but honestly, you've been talking about hearing God's voice, and I've never heard it audibly, and I've definitely never opened the Bible and felt like he was saying anything to me, and I'm starting to wonder if I might fall into the second half of John 8, 47, I'm not hearing God because I don't belong to God. And I want to make sure this morning that I belong to God because of what Jesus did on the cross, and you would just simply by raising your hand say, that's me, would you please pray for me this morning that I would come to know to know God through Christ. Anybody here? All right. So as I pray for you and as you're, as you're repenting, here's what I think God's going to do. I know God's going to do this. He's going to begin to bring back to you promises in his word that he gave you. Maybe years ago, maybe yesterday, maybe last month. And I'm, I just want to encourage you, man, grab a hold of those promises. And don't let them go. Cherish them. Become that sheep that just, man, he said it, and I believe it, and I'm following. Grab that promise and run with it. As I pray for you, would you pray that for yourself and just tell the Lord, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. Plant in me again a new heart that loves your word, that loves it. And even on our worst days, like Job, we would say we're not going to let it go. We're going to value it even more than the food that we eat. So, Father, as we just wrap this up this morning, I pray over those in the room that raise their hands who are just simply saying, God, I, I repent of not valuing your word. God, we want to be marked as people who hear your voice, and that's never going to happen by not loving your word. And so we, this morning, commit to treasure your word. Because we know it's how you speak to us, and we want to hear your voice. We want to hear our shepherd call us so that we can look up and follow you wherever you lead. And God, as we do that, I believe this, that we will become a greater sign in our city, in, in where we work, in our schools, God, 
when we go back after summer. God, if we're on vacation, we will be marked as people who hear God's voice and follow. And I pray that that sign of life alone would lead many more to the shepherd. In your name, Jesus, amen.